Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One of us for the first time, one of us for the fourth or fifth time. I'm Sam Stanish. I'm Mike Lawless. Have you figured out who has seen it and who hasn't yet? It's a real mystery. Uh, we're coming at this uh, just trying to confuse our audience as much as possible. Yeah. Well, maybe I, as someone who listens to podcasts, um, sometimes it can be hard to figure out who is talking sometimes when I'm mm. getting used to a new podcast. That's yeah, definitely. And I, I do wonder if we have different enough voices for people. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really give a good uh, third person opinion of that as I am one of the two people. Yeah, I guess I would need to get maybe I'll rope in one of my family members to tell me can they tell who if it's me or say I'm talking on the podcast. Well, we should probably get someone who doesn't already know us. Well, uh, maybe like a a distant relative, someone who maybe hasn't heard my voice in a few years. Mm, that would be helpful. And this is actually the first podcast we're doing in a couple weeks. We got ahead of ourselves. And so now we're, we're back at it. How do you feel? Did you, do you feel like you've had time to like, remember the love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah. And I, you know, when I was walking over here today, I was doing my podcast stretches. So I was, I was loose and, and ready to vocal warm ups. Exactly. Lovely. Um, yeah, uh, we're, oh yeah, we're here talking season one, episode nine, The Puppet Show, uh, and we are not alone. We are very thankful to have this guest. He reached out to me to, about the podcast, uh, so I'm excited to hear his Buffy journey, his thoughts, and how, like, how he came to the show. He saw that we were doing the podcast, and he was like, oh my god, I, like, people, like, if people don't go deep on this show enough, I've been, I've been talking to other people about it recently, it's so good, uh, my friend from improv uh, a comedian a genius uh it's randy miller oh, thank you so that the compliments up top are amazing thank you for having me um and i just want to weigh in i can tell your voices apart but i think it's because i know you sam so it was easy for me sure. right off the top listening to the podcast but i wonder <laughs> i wonder how it would be for someone who doesn't know you we did once get a review chiming in about uh something that came up on the podcast so if you're someone who doesn't know us and you're listening to the podcast uh feel free to leave us a five-star review and tell us if you can tell our voices apart yes five-star review 100 mm -hmm. uh randy so yeah tell it like you reached out to me and you were like mm -hmm. i love this show like <laughs> I, i've been talking about it with other people recently and how we like it's so good uh and so like the, when was the first time you watched buffy like what is your life journey with buffy the vampire slayer these are great questions. I um, originally watched the show when it was on the air, and only recently did I revisit it. So I started doing improv with people in Providence or just outside Providence, Rhode Island. And someone in the group that I'm in is perhaps a great guest for this podcast, but she is incredibly knowledgeable about Buffy. She was talking about Buffy in the first practice. And I just kind of got interested in watching again. And I started really going deep into it. I've uh, now done the first five seasons. I just rewatched The Puppet yesterday just to be um, on top of it. But yeah, it was it was really her talking about it. And just I, I kept hearing about it in different places. It really feels like there's a, a Buffy moment happening in the culture that this podcast is a part of. We are just past the 25th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer airing. And I also feel like Sarah Michelle Gellar has, is like returning to acting or like has had a role recently. And I feel like that brings it back, obviously, because it's the thing she's most known for. Uh, and I, yeah, I feel like I agree. Like 
it does feel like I don't know, just something in like the, the last year I've been like, I wish I could just watch a show that's exactly like Buffy the Vampire Slayer again for the <laughs> first time. And I was like trying to find anything that would give me the same feelings that it does. Uh, and then I was just kind of like, there's nothing like it. Like I have to just rewatch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's nothing that's been created yeah. that does the same thing for me that this show does. So this was all an elaborate scheme of yours. Um, <laughs> what rewatching the show, starting the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause like for like, I don't know. Like it's just, it's hard. I I barely watch TV. It feels like to me, I watch so much less TV now than I did like five years ago. And so in order to make this happen, I kind of wanted to be like, I want to, you know, I got to get, and I love you so much and I want to hear your thoughts on it. And I love, cause like some, we watch TV together, but we don't always like go deep on every single thought we have about the episode. And so I have this like massive love for the show. And so I'm like, I need to talk. I need to talk it through if I'm gonna do it. And it's so long that it, it it's helpful to have it be like a outstretched experience uh, rather than like episode episode episode. Great. Yeah. Are you are you planning? This is something maybe you haven't thought about, but maybe you have. Are you gonna also get into Angel when the time comes? It's undiscussed, and I feel like that adds. It makes the it it adds it by it like Angel is two-thirds as long as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so it creates makes the project a lot longer. Mm -hmm. The discussion has been that after after we would finish Buffy, Mike would choose the next show and we can do any show he wants. Uh mm -hmm. and so you know that's a, that's we we won't be doing it concurrently, I would guess, unless by that point we get so popular that it behooves us to, to do or financially. It behooves us to do a Patreon where we're covering Angel. Yeah. I mean oh. we need to pay our bills because we've quit our jobs at this point and our our podcast overlords are saying you got to bring in more revenue you got to do angel yeah i'm very open to that like if yeah. this was my full-time job absolutely mm -hmm. sign me up and if we're releasing two episodes a week one doing the episode of buffy one doing the episode of angel hey that's a that's a production experience we can think about but uh <laughs> it's it's not something we've it's nothing we've committed to yet vis-a-vis -vis a david boreanos project yeah sure and this you is have... just oh sorry oh i was just gonna say there's a few seasons before you catch up to right. the start of Angel. Yeah, I guess my question, because I know they aired at the same time. Do they like cross over? Do you need mm -hmm. to watch them at the same time? I will not be. I'm not going to. We can't spoil you on anything. Oh. And so won't be answering those questions. Um, <laughs> like, will it make sense if I watch all of Buffy? I will, and then I go back and watch Angel. Yes. And that's exactly what I did. That you you can watch both completely separately. You can you can just watch Angel. Uh, that they are separate shows uh and you don't it, they are their own experiences okay is the answer i will give at this time good answer thank you um but yeah so randy you we were talking and you were like the puppet show uh why did you select this episode because it's such a weird one it's uh <laughs> the ones you you uh mentioned of them this feels like such a a strange and, and yet very typical of season one in its format being monster of the week but it just it definitely i mean it's a light-hearted episode even though there's some darkness in there as it always is with buffy and i like that so yeah that kind of drew me to it it's just it's, it's such a strange bizarre episode to me it is i feel like and i feel like it's one that's less discussed uh even but it, even though it provides i feel like a lot of 
coloring of the outside world like we get this introduction of a demon hunter outside of the group that we are like familiar with mm -hmm. and like it's so like it's like this guy was alive back in the 30s and he was cursed and now he's in a puppet and and he's been hunting these other demons for the past like 70 years like it's such a it's so it's such a strange uh concept uh and like i feel and it's it, it's strange to me that it's less discussed as something like one of the first couple episodes like the like the teacher's pet or the like the witch episode yeah in those episodes i feel i'm not going to say anything about but i feel like they have um more impact on the lives of the characters this feels like if you never saw the puppet again i'm trying to think no yeah like it's definitely all external from the group like this guy morgan has this puppet and the demon isn't someone that we even know before this episode and so like it is totally <laughs> removed and and everybody it like who is introduced from this demon plotline dies before the end of the episode <laughs> yes. morgan the demon and sid and so like it is totally unserialized just like completely removed nobody has any major emotional breakthrough mm -hmm. like the biggest thing that we get introduced to that seems like it could be a like regular ongoing plotline is the new principle. And so other than that, it is like its own beast. Yeah, Snyder really is in top form in this episode. 100%. Mike, what did you think of the new principal? Bad. A bad vibe all around. <laughs> like, this was the first time we saw him, right? Yeah, he was, yeah. this was like his first day. Um, wow, this was his first well, day. Well, like, this was his the first, <laughs> for us. And he's already laying down the law telling kids, you're going into the talent show. I don't care. Is better. Well, um, okay, like, yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I mean, I guess he seems to be more disciplinarian than Principal Flutie. Um, For sure. Yeah, I mean, he, there was sort of like misdirect in the episode. Mm -hmm. Is this mean new principal, the demon, and we're going to kill him off at the end of the week? But seems like he's going to be a longer term minor antagonist to the group. Yeah, Kept calling them out when they skip class, things like that. Yes, it, but like, and like they, they were slightly hinting at him potentially being the demon, and then yeah, that kind of went away uh, by this, like at a certain point. But uh, yeah, and actually, this the principal discussion brings us right into our opening segments. Uh, the IMDb deep dive uh, for this week is Armin Shimmerman, the guy playing Principal uh, Snyder. So great, like he is. An excellent actor. Uh, he's obviously most, I mean, maybe not obviously, he's most known for playing Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I'm sure I've said Star Trek Deep Space Nine many times already on through uh, nine episodes of Buffy Boyfriends. I did that not show. Know. Wow. That just, this just blows my mind that that's the same actor. Wow. Yes. And like, he, he, he doesn't even put on a voice when he's like, it, but like the guy, you don't know who Quark, what Quark looks like, but like he's, he's like in full prosthetic throughout the entire show, uh, playing a Ferengi. Uh, and he's like the, he's like the voice of capitalism in the society. That's like all socialist of Star Trek. He is a massive, uh, character I feel like fan favorite from that show like uninvolved in the like uh high political plot line he's like running his bar and trying to make money he's so fun um and then since then I mean he just he stays working he's it seems like he does a lot of voice acting these days uh oh I see that he was on an episode of Star Trek Lower Decks as Quark a show that I recently started watching so that's exciting um and then I just saw they like 
Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Buffy like have crossover. Like they aired at similar times. So like even as Star Trek Deep Space Nine was ending, he started working as Principal Snyder on Buffy. And so like it was I mean, good for him. Wow. Same. Works next gig yeah, on Earth. Mm. Constantly getting getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean what a hateable character he plays as Snyder. It's very he really does become awful immediately. Yeah, you instantly know this guy's not someone we like. And I feel like that's a much more understandable character than Principal Flutie. Like, it feels like they would go back and forth, not sure what Principal Flutie's vibe would be. And now that he's been killed, we're sort of getting the memorialization of him being this, like, touchy-feely guy, which he kind of was. But it feels like he was way more serious and, like, punishing of Buffy, at least, than they are talking about him now. Yeah, it seems like... I would prefer to have a Principal Flutie over a Principal Snyder, like a teacher that really cares about the feelings mm -hmm. of their students. I feel like that's very in line with like a 2022 uh, attitude towards schooling, um, especially during the pandemic, is thinking about the feelings of the students and making sure everyone's okay. And it seems like Principal Snyder doesn't really care about that. He's there to do one job, and that's just get these kids across the finish line i agree though like obviously if i was a student i would prefer but i think that as a as a televised character i think that a, the place in the show uh principal snyder seems a lot more uh i don't know uh like abrasive and more like gives us more i feel like already through this like one episode than we got from principal flutie yeah um Snyder, I mean, he is very open about the fact that he hates children. He does not yeah. hide that, which is wild because I feel like in this episode, he and Giles have this point of commiserating on the fact that they both aren't the biggest fans of working with kids, and yet their chosen profession is both in the school. Yeah, and Giles is like, the reason I chose to be a librarian is so that I didn't have to talk to students all day. And really, and principal, like, well, I wonder what Principal Snyder's job was. Like, I feel like principals generally were teachers and become principals, right? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I wonder. <laughs> I would love the Prince Principal Snyder origins. Maybe we'll get a. <laughs> maybe we will find out more about his backstory. I would um, we th this episode was written by uh, some known known people in the Buffy universe, Dean Batali and uh, Rob De Hotel, who previously wrote um, "Never Kill a Boy on the First Date" episode five, good one, episode, one we liked. Um, and like like I I don't know that we talked about this the last time they came up, but like they have both written on like. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch a cartoon show or maybe just one of them did and but they were also writers on that 70s show and like uh, Mike and Molly and they, like they, they're working actors or writers but what we mostly know from is a previous good episode and I feel like this one was similarly also good. Yeah they've got good vibes they can write a vampire episode and they can write a non-vampire episode so it seems like they are real ringers in the writer's mm -hmm. room. And they were uh, story editors, I believe, at the time on season one. And this episode was directed by Ellen Pressman. Queen. Um, this is her sole directing credit on Buffy the Vampire. Oh, no, she did too. Sorry, I'm lying to everyone. Uh, <laughs> she did, a, She did. this is her first one, but she, did, she will do one in the future. Uh, generally, she's still directing today. She does, like, but she, I felt, it feels like she never, like, 
had a show that was like her show or like something that she kept returning to. She's just been a working director and that's uh, great for her. Um, she, uh, you know, I don't, I, I feel like, it, I feel like I have a hard time critiquing or like looking critically at directing. Like, I feel like I don't have a full understanding of like everything that we're looking at when we're like, this person directed that. Like, I understand that they're like directing scenes and like choosing shots and stuff, but I feel like that's not how I'm like, how I'm not great at like processing. That was really good directing. Hmm. Well, I'm with one, you there. I'm wondering something about, because I don't know if you recall, but the first, the very first shot they choose to have in this episode is a crotch shot of a ballerina. And is that in the script or is that a directorial choice? That's a great question. We'd have to compare the shooting script with the episode. I did think that I did, it was a crotch shot of the ballerina. And I did think it was very funny that the first line was, I will be whole, uh, <laughs> which it was easy to understand what they were talking about because we had the subtitles on. But, you know, in 2022, that comes across quite differently, aud sure. audibly. Yeah, I feel like Joss maybe was giving some notes when he was reading the episode, watching watching back the the tapes from the day, being like, "That ballerina crotch shot, that's what we're opening with." <laughs> Good job. Hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, so like we get, it's all about the talent show, and I feel like that was, I feel like that's a really good setup for the episode. Uh, we got to find out a lot more about like the other students, like the rest of the school. Like I liked the uh, montage of them all like interrogating everybody involved in the talent show. We found <laughs> out about the dancer band rivalry. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a new one for me. Although we did have a dance team at our high school. I think there were only like 10 people in it. And I didn't remember as someone who was in the band, I don't have any uh, negative feelings towards the dance team. I was even friends with some of them. So mm, wow. I was, reaching across the aisle. Yeah. I'm glad to know because I was wondering if that was a thing that they were speaking to. I I didn't do band or dance in high if school. An, if anything, we had rivalry with the chorus um, because we all had to share the concert space together when they forced us to do a concert. It was always like a band and chorus concert. And I was like, I have to like this is twice as long as I need it to be because we have to listen to the chorus. And I just want to mm. go home. Yeah, I feel like at my school, there was zero crossover between the chorus and the band. And so that did create distinct groups. But it feels like it felt like we all came together in the dance studio. Mm. OK, were you choreographing things? Absolutely not. But I did, you know, I was I. I did chorus in like middle school and then I don't think I did it in high school. And I did some dance electives throughout, but never like performed a dance as far as I know. I mainly did the musical and road crew. Did those two have tension? <laughs> the crew and the musical? <laughs> well, <course. laughs> my crew coaches certainly weren't pleased that I was taking a semester off of uh, rowing to go be in a musical. So that kind of homophobic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Randy, what were your uh, school electives? Oh God! What was I was in the the model UN. Um, I was in detention one day, and the uh, the teacher was like, "Hey, you can stay back there in detention, or you can join the model UN." And so I was a model UNer from that point on. Um, and that was the big thing. I feel I ended up stepping on Sarah Ferguson's The Duchess of York's foot on a field trip with the model UN, 
so it really was a impactful club for me um that a wow. global event yeah so. yeah yeah international politics being affected by model un <laughs> imagine what you could do if you were in the real un i know and that's a dream <laughs> that's what i want to do um what was it oh well yeah and that's kind of what happened in this episode where like instead of detention principal snyder was like you know you kids have to get involved and do this talent show uh and they were all like dreading it and it's but it's like guys the talent show is such a better decision to make than being in detention detention sucks i, don't, I never went to detention so wow i wouldn't know but i also never did the talent show mm. at least in high school i feel like i did it was like an elementary school thing and i don't think we actually had talent shows in our high school Gotcha. I was regularly in detention in the fifth grade and only the fifth grade because our teacher was really harsh. And if I forgot a pencil, she would instantly give us detention. If like if anything went wrong, she instantly gave us uh, recess detention. Oh, OK. Well, what are you supposed to do in detention if you don't have a pencil? Like, aren't you supposed to do like your homework or something? Did think, she give you a pencil? I don't I think I, I think because I borrowed a pencil from another student, she gave me detention. That's, that's you being responsible i yeah it, well i forgot it in the first place which was the sin the mm. original sin uh there were a lot of issues in fifth grade <laughs> one time we weighed my backpack and it was like 35 pounds what and were I, you putting in your backpack all the books i needed to do my homework like you were getting like textbooks in fifth grade yeah that doesn't sound right well it, that's what happened to me yeah. uh could yeah so lots of issues um and you know, i'm still working through it i journal about it semi-frequently uh <laughs> the, the 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 teacher i had in fifth grade it really does affect you um it sounds very much like you had a snyder situation yes maybe maybe before snyder was a principal he taught fifth grade yeah i mean that's the track yeah stuff um so we start seeing all these students die which is the general thing that happens in buffy and i loved it, it, i wasn't thinking about it before this episode but i loved that one of the students died and the day just carried on like the police came and like looked at the body and like they took it away but everyone went back to class and then an, another student died and we still were doing the talent show like and they were both involved in the talent show i would like <laughs> i love that sunnydale high at this point is just kind of like this is what happens we just have to move on or else we'd never get anything done this is the snyder regime we are <laughs> we are moving forward no matter how many dead students there are discipline yeah i mean snyder at one point does specifically say that on his watch he doesn't want loitering smoking or murders he just <laughs> he views them very similarly what is it it's like uh there is no hierarchy of sin and that is what principal snyder believes i bet yeah. if he i bet if he found out someone i bet if he found the murderer he would make them participate in the talent show too yeah yeah i mean the the reaction he has so the first really kind of uh blow my mind moment as much as you talking about them still continuing on with the talent show after finding dead bodies of the the students in school was right in the beginning when when snyder's making them participate the uh, scooby game uh, participate in the talent show buffy essentially says to him we were off campus because i was fighting a demon and she doesn't get the the last letter of the word out but snyder's response is fighting 
<laughs> and me as a principal, I would be like, demon? <laughs> this is this is a, a joke or a to call like dialogue beat that they have done in half the episodes to this point. Like Buffy is, they say demon accidentally, and then like the the like they that's it's just something they've been doing quite regularly, and it's kind of like we get it. Let's come on, yeah. yeah. You'd think yeah. she, I mean, she's so careful in other aspects <laughs> of her slaying. You'd think she knew how to talk about it at this point. God, so bad at having a secret identity, just so ready to tell anyone what she's up to. But I guess also, whenever she does have one of these verbal fuck-ups, nobody actually calls her out on it, and they just keep moving forward. So maybe she actually never learns from her mistakes. Yeah. Because even from the first episode, when she was talking to Principal Flutie, she was like, yes, I burned the gym down, but that gym was full of vampire. And then she, the Principal Flutie is like, huh? And then she's like, asbestos. And it's just kind of like, let's move on. And I get that it's a joke, but let's come up with a new joke. Yeah. Yeah, they are really hitting that one hard. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those directives in the writing room. <laughs> they were, this is one of the jokes you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, so yeah, Principal Snyder punishes them and is just kind of like, you have to do it. And they're they're talking about doing this dramatic scene, um, which we I'm happy we do get to see at the end yes. of the episode. This show kind of originating post credits or credit sequences. Uh, Randy, this is one of the things you even mentioned when you were like, this is why I have to talk about this episode. Uh, what a choice. It yeah. Was, it was so bizarre. It was so incredibly bizarre. And isn't the the scene that they're doing uh, Oedipus? Yes, but I've never read. I don't. I don't know much about Oedipus beyond the the mother fucking. Um, that's yeah. Same here. That's all I know about it as well. Yet that's. I mean, that's enough. I feel. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was from. Um, very strange. You because like I I think about high school shows and I'm like, whenever they talk about a book in English class, the book is about like the book they're talking about and the way they analyze it is about the episode or like what the characters are going through. And so to have this play, it's just kind of like, why did we choose this scene? Yeah. That also they had similarly in the uh the one class scene where Sid the dummy is on the desk and no one's saying anything. <laughs> the the dialogue of the teacher in that scene really did kind of, you know, it made me wonder like what are they drawing on to come up with the dialogue for the teacher? It it was interesting. It was it was educational. It was informative. I learned a new word. Um, what word? God, I wrote it down. It was uh, <laughs> a word when you create a policy referring to yourself. Oh, eponymous. Eponymous. Yeah, I yes. didn't know that word before. She that talked scene. about the Monroe Doctrine. <laughs> yes. And I, I do believe this is the same um, teacher, or at least she had the same tone of voice as the one who was talking about the Black Plague in the pilot. Uh, she, she, she's the history teacher, and mm. I've never, I've never caught these like recurring actual teachers at the at the school, like with the science teacher who appeared multiple times before he died in the teacher's bed. I just thought he was like a new guy. But uh, what are we learning about the Monroe Doctrine? I, I've just, I have learned about it many times, mm. and it's never stuck. But it uh, was a United States foreign policy position that opposed European colonialism in the Western Hemisphere. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, it held that any intervention in the political affairs of the Americas by foreign powers was a potentially hostile act against the United States. Great. Okay. And she talked about it as like a police force. Uh, they're becoming like a 
peacekeeping peacekeeping for sure yeah, so it uh, kind of sounds bad actually yeah you know inter- international relations uh i it very much uh correlates with buffy the vampire slayer i think now is this sort of like how buffy is deciding to be the peacekeeper of all of the demons she's going after mm-hmm. she's not just vampires States. she she's going after everybody else's demons um well, I wonder what Sid thinks about that, like sort yeah. of encroaching on his territory. And any demon force in Sunnydale is an affront to the United States. Of Buffy. Of Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. Sid really is only focused on those seven demons or the and last it took him, seven. It took him 70 years to kill seven demons. Yes. He's not very good at his job. Well, they only need new body parts every seven years. So he can only, it's, he really only had 10 chances before this. And he got six over the past 70 years. I guess I'm, oh, sure. So fuzzy like, on that. Now. Sure. So he, <laughs> he was saying the the demons thing was like, they live forever, but every seven years in order to live forever, they need to feed on a brain and a heart. And so he's been tracking them, but they don't really, they don't really need to show. Otherwise they just look like people. Oh, okay. No, I'm tracking them yeah. and finding them. Um, but like, but even it, I would argue he, it seems like he, before he was a puppet and cursed, he was a demon hunter already. And now mm-hmm. he's like trying to die. Like, he's like, okay, I need to get out of here. Like I've, I've said my, I've done my stuff. Uh, he's had his adventures and is trying to get leave. But like, <laughs> I wish that he hadn't died in this episode. No, Sid was great. I loved the twist. And I just want more of Sid. I was. I even said to you, we need a spinoff with Sid and Moloch from the last episode, yeah. the robot demon. Yeah, like even though this was like it, it was a monster of the week episode, but it was kind of like an ally of the week episode because he was on their side, and it was like he was the main thing about the episode. It's literally called the Puppet Show, um, and yeah, I wish that we got a little more of him. Yeah, uh, it's tough that he wasn't like. I wish we got a flashback of him in the '30s with that Slayer he was talking about uh having slept with uh you know the the horny aspects of the character could have been worked on um and perhaps sure. in a reboot it would have been a little different but i thought it was i thought it was great and like i i feel like this is kind of the thing you want from a monster of the week episode like exploring a new aspect of the world and like filling it out and it's like it's not just these people it's like there's so many different things happening yeah yeah i i I mean, I love everything about Sid except for the horny aspect, but it's so, so on brand for men over 100 on this show to be very interested in the Sunnydale student body. Truly. and But, like, it was nice that we had, like, a bit of a break from Xander being this character. It feels like he didn't so much constantly be awful. True, yeah. He's mm. been getting a little bit better every week. Well, like last week, I don't think we had anything bad to say about Xander, unfortunately. I think we found something, but it was le- there were was, less things to pick Yeah, from. we had to look really hard. Uh, this week, a little easier. Yes, I definitely have mine for the uh, the Xander fuck-up segment. <laughs> My thing with, the, like, at this point, like, the thing about the puppet and Buffy being like, I think it's the puppet... All of her friends are still like, 
that's crazy. It's like, think about yes. what you've gone through already. <laughs> like, this isn't, stop. Like, and she called this out like several episodes ago when Giles didn't believe her about something. She was like, I can't believe you are trying to scully me. And it's like, yeah, like, let's get on the same page. Like, Buffy's the slayer. She has these senses. She knows when something's wrong. Don't act like it would be the weirdest thing in the world for this puppet to be real and like killing people. God, it, it feels like a possessed puppet is so likely compared to a teacher being a praying mantis or compared to being possessed by a hyena or, <laughs> you know, having a demon. It can be everything, uh, everything that happens on the show feels more outlandish than a possessed puppet. A possessed puppet is a very common trope and that they didn't believe her was upsetting to me. And they like didn't believe her until they found it in the book, which like, but like, it's so he was so creepy. Like, you got just yeah. come on. Can we just start believing women? Yeah, yeah, <gasps> yeah. Guys, I I'm reading on the Buffy Wiki right now. This is the lowest rated episode of the entire series. Only 1.9 million households watched at the time of airing. Mm. Maybe that's why they it's less talked out. about. Yeah, you're telling me more people watch that hyena episode. Yeah. Maybe it's just about when it aired. Maybe it was a really nice day out. <laughs> yeah, was... I wonder what the reasoning is for that. <laughs> well, something's got to be the lowest rated. Yeah. Usually it's at like the end of a show's run, though. Yeah. Is it lowest rated in terms of popularity or lowest rated in terms of viewership? Like of the ratings, like uh, less than 2 million people watch this episode. Okay, because I, I have also heard, and this is not an episode for a long ways out, but that... I was told which episode was considered the least popular, the least loved. I'll, we'll have to offline about that. Uh, yes, I don't know what it. it I, I don't know. Anything. There's there are a lot of po possible <laughs> ones, um, but yeah, uh, I, I really did like the twist of the. I still distinctly remember watching for the first time sophomore year of high school and being like because I, I i was watching it and then i had to pause it because i had to get on the bus to go home <laughs> and um you were watching it at school yeah okay. uh, oh wow and i paused it in uh, detention no just in a free period uh got on the crew bus and my friend was like oh i remember that episode like what do you think is gonna happen and i was like oh it's just so obvious like it feels like they're going to end up having to fight the puppet and then the curtains are going to go up and like everyone's going to think that it's like a stage show or whatever and everyone's going to like applaud and that'll be whatever. And then I, but even though the reveal of who the demon is or whatever is kind of weak, like we'd never heard this guy talk before he like was the demon basically. Uh, I like that they're playing with the expectation of like the audience being in on what's happening. Because, like, in previous episodes, we've known from the start, like, that's the demon, like, that's who it is. And then to get it in, to get it this way, where, like, partway through, it's revealed, it, actually, that's the good guy. Uh, I really like that. Yeah. They kept the um, the misdirection going this whole episode. You don't really find out everything until the very end. Because even when we do find out that the puppet is not the killer, it does get then pinned on Snyder briefly with that ominous... Uh, red light and then his kind of ears being yeah <laughs> do you know this i'm talking about where you can see the light passing through his ears yes it's very strange like that's what i was talking about when they sort of dropped it like we saw giles see principal snyder backstage but then i felt like it maybe i'm misremembering but i think that's like the last we see of him until he's in the audience for the state for the show yeah yeah i do think that 
That's right. And then there is a, a scene kind of what you're talking about where it goes up and Snyder's like, hmm, I don't get it. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I, I think that Principal Snyder is an excellent addition. Uh, I think that, that, but I wish that, I, it was so bizarre to me. Like, I feel like that's not the sort of thing that happens like on this show where like things just like don't pay off or like don't even like get addressed again, where you would just think that Giles and Hib would have a conversation and maybe they shot it, but like it's not in the episode, but it's strange. Yeah. And I loved, I, I really loved the twist with the puppet. I was surprised as you probably knew, you could see as mm -hmm. we were watching it, but I do feel like the payoff of like who ended up being the demon was not all the way there because it was just this like random person in yeah. the talent yes. show that we had never seen before. And like, that's fine, but I think I would have appreciated it more if it ended up being like a secondary character that we had followed through the story, like a Snyder yeah. or um, the guy who died. What was his name? The Morgan. Morgan. So like someone that we had followed, it was like, they're gonna do go full misdirect, like follow through on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, like they, it, it was just there. Make it I, Xander. It needed to be like <laughs> we needed to at least have a memorable scene of him previously. Like, and I guess, I guess he must have been the guy who was doing like the pick a card, any card thing when they were interrogating. Was, but think, like, yeah. it, that wasn't memorable enough, and I, in that, it didn't even occur to me until saying it right now that that was the same guy. Like. And he he even did like the he had the coffin trick before, but like it needed to be a little more um intentional, like making the audience remember this guy before he's suddenly being like, get in my guillotine. Wait, he was the cof what coffin trick? He like that he had the like standing sarcophagus kind of thing, like and it, like he didn't even talk during it, but like it was when they were like doing the dress rehearsal or whatever. See. He and if you had never said anything, I would have thought those were three different characters. Yeah. yeah, it's he's just kind of very easy to miss, but he just keeps coming up in these very small ways from the uh, the law and order style interrogation scene. And then there's that scene with the sarcophagus where he's mad at his assistant because the assistant didn't get out of the sarcophagus the right way. And yeah, all very forgettable scenes with Mark. Mark is the name, though. I do remember that. <laughs> Right, and it, but like it just in comparison to the other two or other three introduced new secondary characters in this episode of Morgan, Sid, and Principal Snyder, like mm -hmm. obviously this is part of the intent. We're not supposed to expect it to be this magician guy, but I do like like we're saying it needed to be. He needed like one more scene or whatever before yeah, the reveal. I agree. Yeah, it would have made it feel like something as opposed to just like oh okay yeah it could have literally been anyone. <laughs> Or maybe just more memorable visually. Like, it, this guy was just kind of this random dude. Yeah. Which is what a demon would want to do. But if he was wearing the, like, full magician costume all the time, or, like, a hat even, I feel like yes. it would have been helpful. I would have loved for him to be in the class where Sid's on the table, just with mm. his cape on and a magician's hat. Just in that scene visually would have been just a great effect that, like, oh, yeah, there's a... It's not so unusual that he has his dummy out on the table. Everyone's going all out for this talent show. Yeah, if everybody, if it's kind of like when like about about the basketball team would wear their like jerseys the day of the game or whatever. If everyone the day of the talent show had to wear their outfits all day, that could have yes. been funny. And like Buffy and Xander and Willow are like in their like togas or whatever all day. That could have been fun. Yeah, yeah, I would have liked that. That would have been a great touch. Mm. Uh, this episode, we I feel like we've been critical recently of not enough Cordelia and Joyce. 
and this episode did bring them back a little more. Um, would have again would love to see even more of them, but it was Cordelia is very fun, and at least we saw her throughout the episode as opposed to just like a one-off scene, which we've gotten previously or not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, which Joyce did unfortunately only have that one-off scene, mm-hmm. but I thought it was nice. It was sweet and much. I I liked seeing their relationship um in a better place than it has been previously there was no like sniping back and forth at one another which it was just like joyce wanting to show support and then expressing concern when she had that nightmare yeah yeah it was um a very classic oh i'm just the mom don't mind me i'm just being mom (laughs) uh role for joyce which is a lot of what joyce does throughout i feel like what we've seen thus far yeah uh, and then Cordelia, I've made, I, I think it's apparent that she's like my favorite character. Uh, like all of her stuff, this episode is so funny as it always is. Charisma Carpenter yeah. is a goddess. She's a queen, comedic legend, icon. Um, I just love her. She's definitely got charisma. Yes. She's carpenting the charisma. It's when the name <laughs> matches the personality. True. Um, excited to see more. I mean... I know she's your favorite character and I have enjoyed everything I've seen of Cordelia so far. And I, I'm just ready to see more. Like I'm ready to see what brought the standum to this point. She's on my water bottle. Like she, oh. I, this was the first thing you saw of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This, uh, head, this beautiful headshot sticker of Cordelia Chase. It's like, damn, when is that going to be in an episode? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, this, uh, so, oh, oh no, I, go ahead. Say. So, um, as as you all know, I'm putting on a improvised Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, show. Yeah, tell it, us more about that. So, um, the person I think I, I referenced earlier who knows so much about uh, Buffy, who should be a guest on your show, her name is Ayla, and um, she's the person down. I approached about potentially putting this show on because she was the one I was talking to so much about Buffy, since she had this this tremendous knowledge and everything I brought up, even though she hadn't necessarily watched it right away, she knew everything that I was bringing up from these shows that I had just seen. Um, so we were talking about, you know, putting on the show and that we both want to be in it. And of course she chose to be Cordelia. That was the one she wanted to be. <laughs> I and love that. I think it's great. I think uh, she will make an amazing Cordelia. So Randy, not to typecast you, but are you Giles? Oh my God, I am a hundred percent Giles. <laughs> and in fact, when I pitched it to Ayla, the first thing I said is, but I get to be Giles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you both selected characters who are not like the lead. <laughs> like yes. I want to be, this is me. Uh, and I love that. And I I, I, I did improvise um, Golden Girls for a little bit, which was so fun. Uh, I, and I feel like the big things people, if you know comedy or like have followed like, whatever like i feel like the big thing is improvised seinfeld that people would talk about mm-hmm. um but i love i love that sort of form of like making an episode of a very specific show yeah yeah um yeah i'm very excited about it we're doing the first one on march 30th so yeah some time yeah and but, very um, soon, i mean randy it's not unlike how we met uh doing the hero's journey class all very yeah. like fantastical uh concepts and i i mean i where are you doing the uh the buffy show i, I mean i know it's probably up in like providence but it sounds so <laughs> it fun is. yeah it's um in pawtucket right outside of providence just on the the border um at a theater kismet is the name of the theater it's a great theater um very great group of performers there um and i've really enjoyed getting to be a part of that theater i've only um uh, been with them for uh, basically since the fall, so I'm still pretty new there, but I'm excited that uh, 
they're interested in in putting on the show. And have you done a practice? Like, have you done practiced an episode? We oh. have not. No, we yeah. we're still. So I figure um, we'll do about six practices before the first show. So if we're doing weekly practices, that will be about uh, mid February that we'll start meeting. But we've we've cast the show. We've got all the roles, um, and uh, yeah, um, I think that every character in the show is one that you would have seen already, except for one. So I won't. I well, you'll have you'll, you'll have to come back uh, well, after you get a little more involved in the process. But I would for love now, to, yeah, yeah, this episode's. Uh, we're, but we, we're here to talk about the puppet show, and I yes. feel like we have not discussed enough the character of Morgan, mm. who is uh, another one who, like I said, died before the end of the episode. But yes, like, yes. It, he was such he's so interesting to me. I like he. We find out he has he had brain cancer, yeah. um, which ultimately ended up being the demon's undoing. But like his, I don't know. It was I don't know. It was very interesting. What did you think of Morgan? Yeah, I mean, going with the whole misdirect plot line, like they made it seem like maybe Morgan is possessed. Maybe the like demon, like the Sid as the demon is possessing Morgan. He had a really aggressive situation with the teacher when she mm. took the dummy away, which I didn't like. I was like, this guy needs some sort of like anger management class right now. Why is he is he so angry now? Because he has brain cancer and a, like a headache or something. Like, it was hard to figure out. Um, yeah. Very strange that he, yeah, because he was so <laughs> emotionally involved in the dummy not being there, but like he knows that Sid's probably off like hunting this demon or whatever. I don't know. It was, Cause more, right, yeah. Was he, is he aware of Sid's nature or was Sid just like, I think he was because I like Sid at one point is talking to Buffy and he's like, Oh, I should have teamed up with you guys. I, but I thought you were the demon, which is why I started. Like I got involved with Morgan. He must've like tracked the demon to the school and needed somebody to like, like, help him get in there who is the local ventriloquist yeah and, and mm. like it, i they played a little bit at the start with like maybe the puppet is possessed by morgan's dad and like he needed to help him yeah. escape because he was like the voice is a little bit based off my dad or whatever and i think that's kind of like making the audience think that that's what it was uh but yeah we just learned that sid was like needing somebody to help him get this demon who's in the school yeah i feel like to be honest, I'm going to say that was not clear to me until we started talking it out just now. Mm. I thought it was Morgan had this dummy that he found and somehow the dummy is this supernatural being and Morgan is just sort of caught up in it. I think that that I think that's partial like that's I mean, I'm sure that's how that like sort of ended up. But like, I yeah, it, we could have it's it's tough when they do these late episode reveals where like we then don't always go back and like fully flesh out what they were doing prior to this because like did morgan help him hunt a different demon we don't know no and I, we yeah. never will if it was seven years between or ten years or however long it is between each of these demons showing up i have to imagine that you know morgan would have been far too young to be on the hunt for a demon at that age if he's a sophomore yeah presumably um but yeah, Morgan is such an unusual character because he's really there specifically to be one of the the many red herrings of this episode. So everything there is about him is a misdirect. You don't really get more than anything that would make you think he's the villain for Morgan. 
Because we also never get a conversation between him and Buffy once everyone knows all the information. By the time Buffy knows that Sid isn't the demon and that Morgan's not the demon, Morgan is dead. Like, he never expresses his own thought on why he's even, like, this involved in what's happening. I mean, I guess he's being a good person and trying, like, like Xander, like Willow, they're uninvolved in the demonic world, but, like, want to help. Um, what would you do if, uh, say, a ventriloquist dummy comes up to you and says, I gotta hunt some demons? How would I, you respond? I'd keep moving. I'd keep yeah. moving along. I'm no, like, then dummies are creepy. Um, yes. I was a big goosebumps person growing mm. up, and they had that dummy, the wood, the dummy, which I think was named Sid in the Goosebumps books. Hmm. We'd have to double check I'm, that. I'm checking right now. Maybe I'm only thinking that because of this episode, but those books were really scary. This um, is how people will differentiate us. If not the voice, Mike is the Goosebumps guy. I'm the Animorphs guy. That is the real rivalry that was happening in my like in my society at, in fourth grade. Like <laughs> there were the Goosebumps kids and there were the Animorphs kids, and we did not interact. Damn. Yeah, I feel yeah. like no. I mean, I think we know which one won culturally. I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I did not choose to read at that age. Slappy the dummy. Slappy the dummy is okay. a character. Close to Sid, sort of. As well as his twin brother, Snappy, and his... Wait. He has two twin brothers, <laughs> Mr. Wood and Snappy. So they're triplets, I guess. Ooh, but, okay. Uh, good for them. I don't know. No, it was that. That's like a modern series. Like, oh. there's like origin, but I think it I, was I'm sure that's just a. Re- I'm just. Yeah. I'm sure that's a different cover, but like of the original. Yeah. Book. Uh, anyway, yeah. Never found out too much about Morgan, other than he was had brain cancer. I also saw when Willow was looking up his school uh, profile, he was a junior. Whoa. Oh, okay. And he's hmm. apparently really, really smart, uh, but he had a bunch of sick days because dealing with his sickness but didn't he didn't tell anyone about it yeah the teacher yeah. said he was one of the brightest students she'd seen in a long time or yeah something like she that was like is something going on at home and he's like give me my puppet yeah r.i.p morgan and i'm gonna say uh, I, I feel like i've said a lot of things i feel like the death his death and the brain cancer reveal was so quick like yeah. i i miss i missed it during the episode and i had to like ask sam like whose brain is that that just plopped on the ground oh morgan and he's dead and had brain cancer i don't know like maybe i was like taking a sip of coffee at that time and missed it but yeah yeah they didn't make that very clear to i me. think that i think that's part of an issue where had there been a scene where buffy and him talked before he died like i feel like it it comes across a lot cleaner than like i don't I guess they found out because Willow like hacked into the records of the school that he had had cancer. Um, but I, like that's just the kind of thing that you would want to hear from the character who has cancer. And like I feel like that's a, it's a, it's a clearer. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. We don't get any interaction with Morgan. Uh, I mean, the reason we find out he's not the killer is because he's killed. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we never get to to find a uh, a pleasant non-killer Morgan. Every time we have Morgan, he's only probably the killer. Right. Or like in or like involved in the puppet killer. Yes, the hench thing. person of the, the killer. Yeah. Uh 
and I'm okay with him being dead. He wasn't like super memorable. The 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 death that is uh, upsetting to me, thinking ahead is like Sid. Like mm. it would like I know that he's not going to be in every single episode, and the puppet is like probably very difficult to like involve in action sequences, and it does look very hokey and funny to have him <laughs> be in these fights. But like, it's so good. Like it, like the character's interesting. Uh, re- removing the horniness in like, yeah. just, like I like it's a funny I know we already have someone who's 100 years old as a secondary character but like if they brought Sid back for one episode a season like I think that that could have been fun and maybe they think so well yeah. maybe maybe he'll come back to life I mean he has such a, a distinct voice so when he appears in every episode from season two on I'm excited about it <laughs> <laughs> exactly um does anybody have any other thoughts? Anything we may have missed? Uh, I don't know. Before we move into our segments. I'm trying to think. Um, did, were there other uh, like talent show talents that we missed out on? Did, we didn't get we, a lot of like, practice. We did get Cordelia singing yeah. uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's at the top of the episode. And I don't know that I really know that song from anywhere other than Cordelia singing it. But I do still think of, it comes up in my brain every once in a while of never to walk in anyone's shadow uh i've heard that song before i must have heard it before i feel i've heard it on this episode okay <laughs> um oh we, i loved this the moment where <laughs> they talked about the power circle uh oh, yes, get everyone yes. charged up <laughs> for the show and then like <laughs> i it's it's so funny like i feel like this i i love this like where it's a joke but they don't like touch on what like they just like it's a visual joke where all of the students are gathered around so that they can figure out who's missing and they like we get a shot a sweeping shot of all the students expectantly waiting for giles to like say something encouraging and giles <laughs> like go get ready and like then the students just leave very funny yeah see i didn't i thought when they said power circle i'm like oh do they need to like have this circle to kill the demon or something i it did not click to me that this was maybe something they do to like get ready for the show yeah, yeah. i think that's intentional where like you expect it to be this magical thing and then they're like pump everyone up because like power circle isn't like a phrase that people say it's like that's what i was wondering is it a thing that like i just missed out on that i've never heard before because i haven't been in that side of theater perhaps where power circles so. happen no but i think there is something they do the concept the like the hyping up the concept yeah. is real but i think that the term power circle is an intentional misdirect to be okay. like magic but it's not mm. misdirect is the theme of this episode <laughs> yes so 100%. true <laughs> um, um some missed things that i did like uh i really liked in the start when buffy is roasting giles mm. uh when she kind of uses the tag from the start of the episode once in every generation there's someone who must run the talentless show i just thought it was a really sweet moment to show their relationship um because this is kind of a sweet friendship that they have and giles is too broken in that scene to respond in any way so he just kind of doesn't say anything but um yeah i really like that the, the way their friendships portrayed in that scene i love that yeah and i <laughs> just the start of Giles must have like just found out this information that he has to run the talent show because yes. like him sitting in the auditorium he's like it looks like he's still like processing that he's gonna have to do this <laughs> yes yeah oh I feel for Giles I mean especially because I'll be playing him but yeah <laughs> yeah th- I'm sure this was helpful to get uh, this side of Giles not just the researchy stuff 
Hmm. Yeah, it was. You really do get a little bit more of Jow's personality, I feel, in this episode. Yeah. Um, any uh, Anything else before we move into our segments? Uh, okay, the, the thing where S- Snyder calls um, Flutie saying he was eaten because he was a liberal, that was really <laughs> intense. <laughs> I mean, pl- politics aside, just... God, it really is awful how callous he is as a person. Yeah, um, he he doesn't care about the guy who got eaten. He just he's the only thing he's thinking about is, hey, that's the reason I have a job right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do have to wonder who Snyder voted for because it was ninety six, and you had uh, Clinton pro and Dole running then, and I just don't know if he voted for pro or dole Hmm. republicans will really fixate on how much they hate democrats and Hmm. this is um a tangent but i'm reading a book right now about people climbing mount everest Hmm. and it seems really miserable to climb a mountain that high like you're in constant pain all the time but there is one side character who the author describes as just like having hate for Hillary Clinton the entire time they're climbing the mountain. And I can't imagine fixating on something like that when I'm dying on Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah, did the the hate keep this person going? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he just died at the end of uh, the chapter. He was blown off the mountain. Oh, my God. But I'll have to keep reading to clarify that. Okay. It sounds like a great book. It was good. It's called Into Thin Air. Um, John, John Krakauer, a, a real event, like a real retelling of what happened on Mount Everest this one time. Mm. People like Republicans really hate Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. And we can cut and this. Hey, we can cut this I, part. I, if you want to, we can, but I, we don't have to. That's, I mean, I think I, I like it. Yeah, this is this is all facts. Um. Yeah. So let's move into some segments then. Uh. We start off with biggest slay, Randy. What was your favorite moment of the episode? Uh, the moment that really made you go slay. I think uh, there's there's two things, and these are both kind of weird, maybe. But um, when Emily the ballerina is found dead, the uh, the high school girl who finds her is just there's a close up shot of her screaming, her hands are shaking, and she just has this like picture perfect scream queen reaction to finding a dead body that i think that would be the moment that i would say slave for for sure and you said you had a second one yeah this is this is uh this is the really bizarre one i really enjoyed a lot of the just ambiance of backstage at the talent show people tuning up their instruments mm-hmm. uh i would listen to that as like a nine hour sleep track if there's anything <laughs> like that it was really pleasant for me love that mike my biggest lay, I, I was really loving that we've had a lot of conversations on this show about how the fight scenes, the choreography, not always there. And I don't know that it's there yet, but I was really loving the dummy being a part of the fight scene mm. and the like yeah. getting the final stab in of the demon. That was funny to me. And that was my biggest lay. Definitely. I have a couple. Uh, I definitely love the reveal midway through the episode of us finding out that Sid isn't the demon, but is actually hunting the demon also and like getting a new ally, like learning more about the world. I thought that was great. Um, I also feel like at times this, the show, it does not know how to, or like uh, to through this point 
to finish off the demon or finish off the fight in a way that is like emotionally gratifying but i felt like having him go into the guillotine that he set up himself and then like having sid be the, like finally putting the final stab in like i felt like that would like it resolved really well um and so that was uh good i good just, just they're doing better at that, at that kind of thing yeah it was a satisfying kill for sure definitely moving on fashion moment randy what was the fashion moment of the episode for you Okay, for me, there, there's again two. Um, mm -hmm. One is in that first scene, uh, Will is wearing this very kind of graphic rubber duck tee, and that just really caught my eye. You couldn't take your eyes off that rubber duck. Yeah, and, I, yeah. I, Mike and I are both nodding our heads. I feel like we were both definitely going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to miss. It's amazing. Um, this one's a lot more subtle. This is kind of just midway through the episode. Giles is wearing this tan cardigan. And I just, I really want that cardigan. It looks, <laughs> it looks cozy. I think it's a nice look. I think when I play Giles, I want a cardigan like that. Um, wow. Yeah. I want this might be the first Giles fashion moment. To, I, I can't think of another time we've discussed his looks. I don't think, I mean, his, his look is very uniform. You, you mm -hmm. know what you're going to get with Giles, but not now maybe I'll be on the lookout for more Giles fashion yeah, moments. Just, we got to be, be observing the understated looks as well he he does play a lot with tans and browns uh, yeah you know and that's okay that's okay to have it's okay to know your color yeah uh mike what was your fashion moment well it was going to be the the rubber ducky shirt um but i get the second one buffy had this like leopard print short dress that mm. she was wearing throughout through a lot of the, the maybe the first half of the episodes uh first half of the episode and there is a scene where she's wearing uh, the angel leather jacket really does work for her. Mm -hmm. Like she looks great in it with everything yeah. she wears. Um, so the the leopard print dress with the leather jacket is right. good. There's this one shot where she like comes and you see the whole look, like including shoes, and like the sweat is perfect. Like the it feels like the jacket lines up completely perfectly with where the dress is. And so uh, other one so cordelia like the scene where they do the joke where like giles wants her to go away and so she just says like cordelia your hair and she's like oh my god there's something wrong with her hair so amazing and just and so i felt like her hair they called it that hair in that episode and the rubber thing the dress that we've already discussed cordelia looked great can i yeah second yeah. moment um that i just remembered mm -hmm. the the history teacher had this like really nice oh, yeah two-piece hound like white and black hounds yeah suit um she looked great she decided to serve that day yeah she wore her power suit <laughs> to tell the student what's going on i'm gonna take your dummy from you monroe doctrine <laughs> yeah. uh okay Randy, moving on, Xander Slander. What was the worst moment of the episode for you from Xander? Oh, God, this one really stressed me out. When he <laughs> has Sid, and he's just, like, knocking Sid's head on the table. And to me, I'm like, Buffy has told you that this thing is likely a possessed, terrible entity, and you're just fucking around with it. Uh, I was really stressed. I was angry at Xander during <laughs> that scene. Definitely bad. Mine, look... I, you're not going to go interrogate anyone. 
You're not going to go help with research. Your literal single job is to keep an eye on this puppet that you know might be possessed by a demon. Like keep an eye on him. <laughs> like don't <laughs> don't look don't look away. Uh, but it seems like he does instantly, and of course Sid gets away. Obviously, doesn't it's not bad because Sid actually is good. But like, imagine if he was a demon. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, Xander's very irresponsible. Bad boy. I feel like, I feel like he had some rude things to say about Cordelia during the episode when he was like during the the Law and Order talk mm -hmm. uh, interrogation thing. Uh, he was just really rude about Cordelia to the team, and the team doesn't care about Cordelia that much. But she's great, and she wasn't. She was just being her normal self. Yeah, he's even rude about her to her, where because Cordelia is like, it was so traumatic for me. Just like I. Like it could have been me that died, and Xander's like, "We can hope, or like we can wish, or whatever." Yeah, that is like, that's so hard. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And ugh, whatever. He's he's a bad man. Um, <laughs> final segment: Gold Star Scooby Randall. Or, oh my god, I'm reading the Google Meet. Your name is Randall on there, but I always think I, sorry, Randy. What was your um favorite character of the episode? Well, I go by either, but uh, I'm going to say that, and this isn't only because I'm playing him, but I loved how miserable Giles was in this episode, just having to do the things he had to do. It really, it was, uh, I felt like we got more from Giles in this episode than we've had in a lot of previous episodes, and he became kind of uh, a little bit more central in this episode, and I liked everything that we had from him. Lovely. Mike? Does it have to be someone in the Scooby? Not at all. Okay. Then Sid. Sid was great. Love Sid. Mm. Sad that we only got him for one episode. Really need the spinoff with him and Moloch and maybe the Praying Mantis. The <laughs> three of them in the afterlife sort of learning from each other, hanging out. Mm. Um, throw Miss Calendar in there too, um, who we didn't get back. Like, I really Will thought, she ever return? I, I really, really hope so. Or maybe she can be the one reaching into the afterlife to pull mm. these three characters together and being like now i need you three to to work, to fight demons with me on the internet or something i'm loving where your <laughs> mind is going would love that as why why did we give angel a spinoff and not miss calendar uh so i hope out. i hope she at least comes back we never know um my favorite character of the episode i felt like for the most part the main characters were sort of in their zone they were like doing the things we expect them to do uh i felt like it was a very strong introduction for principal snyder so i feel like i'm gonna give him the gold star we really got mm. him like we were like okay this is this guy uh oh, yeah. and so i really appreciated all like it felt like every no no line was wasted from him because it was like <laughs> coursing with his him uh so i thought it was great um great and i think that's everything do is there anything else we would want to do before plugs I'm, i've decided i'm gonna stop giving you the um episode description of the next episode but i'll tell you what it is and i believe it's nightmares that's the name of the episode name of the next episode oh, okay um is do you what do you think the next episode is going to be about based off of the title uh somebody goes into buffy's mind and makes her have a nightmare and then she tracks this person in real life We'll see. Good prediction. Oh, wait, yeah. no. In the first episode, didn't she have, like, a dream about vampires or something? And mm. that's, that was our introduction to Buffy. Mm. Maybe some sort of resolution to that plot. Where she's, like, having a prophecy in her own mind. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, Randy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up? 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that I was able to be here. Um, the the thing, of course, to plug would be the Buffy show, but that doesn't come out till March 30th of 2023. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll be doing two more um, shows following that, possibly more after that, but that's just the start. Wow. Um, also, uh, every other Friday at Kismet in Pawtucket, I am performing with a great team, uh, house team, Fridays at 8 p.m. Uh, January 7th, I'm playing a uh, Sasquatch Foley artist in that I'm someone who sneaks around in the woods making Sasquatch noises for the people on Finding Bigfoot on a podcast, live podcast kind of show. So, uh, yeah, those would be the things. Very cool. Uh, Mike, how about you? We are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. I I personally am at Flawless Lawless on Instagram. I'm still private, so that doesn't really do anything, but I'm going to keep saying it. Hey, they can send you a request. They can, and maybe mm -hmm. I will fall. Maybe I'll accept. Um, but that's it. Sam, what do you have? Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay, so Survivor 43 just ended. Bad uh, season. Don't watch. Don't watch, but if you are already a Survivor fan, I just earlier today wrapped up a call with uh, Gabby Pascuzzi from Survivor David versus Goliath, um, and we really uh had a very healing conversation about like our responses to the finale and i i mean maybe this is putting too much uh belief in myself or whatever but i felt like it was i feel like these are the kinds of takes that you might want to you might need in this post survivor 43 world to like under like just i feel like it we said all the things that might be helpful or just like uh what's the word just like good to hear like it felt like we got where it was a good conversation i guess is how i'm trying to talk about it i don't know how to i can't think of the word i'm satisfying or something to just hear people maybe bemoan a loss of who lost and maybe not be super thrilled about who won but also not like attacking the people who are the reason that it happened mm. anyway that is all to say bitter Drew's podcast very fun um and we'll be starting to talk about legend of Korra soon mm. book four um and Follow me at Sam Stanish. Follow us at Buffy Boyfriends, like Mike said. Leave us a five-star review if you know anything about... Uh, oh, if you can tell our voices apart, or if you can't, just let us know. Uh, I think that was everything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Randy, thanks again for being here. This was so great. Uh, yes. Slay. Slay. Bye.